How's everybody doing? Sorry for the couple seconds of a late start there. We had a bit of a YouTube issue. I realized I'm an idiot. And YouTube. It was my fault. I'm going to still blame YouTube, though, because yeah. that's just how I am. That makes me feel better. That makes me feel better. Welcome, yeah, welcome, should. welcome, everybody, to the ninth episode of Dungeons & Downloads Podcast. You can catch us live on YouTube sometimes when it works, maybe Twitch and Facebook every Monday at 8 p.m. <laughs> Eastern, 9 p.m. Atlantic time. And all of your favorite episodes will be on podcast platforms tomorrow, Tuesday. Very sorry about getting them up late last week. I got a COVID shot, and I was just dead on Tuesday, so they got delayed. I mean, that that's understandable. Very sorry. Totally I got it up on Wednesday, which is, like, better than, like, oh, wow. nothing. <laughs> it, it's true. I mean, it's better than I would normally do, so you already you got me beat most of the time. <laughs> I woke up on Wednesday, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't do yeah. anything yesterday. I had a big nap. <laughs> you know that's that makes sense though covid shot especially second one. Oh man i was so tired but i didn't yeah. feel like any like really bad side effects i was just really tired so that's a win and and you're still alive yeah. have you been thinking about microsoft products re recently yeah i think i got an update there yesterday i, I had to reset <laughs> last night when i went to sleep <laughs> my yeah. wi-fi is improved my internal wi-fi yeah, no, that's it's all it's all. You can I'm still for, waiting right? for things to be magnetic, though. It's just not working. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand why. I saw like a TikTok video and like I don't know, it worked. Got for magnets, him. yeah, yeah. How do they? You know, work? that's where I go for all my information. <laughs> yeah, TikTok. Definitely don't trust Big Pharma. <laughs> trust Big TikTok. People with millions of followers. <laughs> that's who you want to be listening to. They can't possibly be lying. That many people can't be wrong. What is there, like 10 doctors <laughs> who all agree? Well, there's like 5 million people on TikTok who disagree. Uh, it's true. Everything is a democracy, even scientific fact. Uh, <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> That's not right. Now, what are we going to talk about today? We're not going to talk about vaccines. What are we going to talk about? Uh, no, no, we're not. So today's two topics. I guess it's actually three topics on the table. Um, we're starting off the downloads portion is about we're talking about the Steam Wallet exploit, which happened, which if you're curious about that, um, before we even start, it's already been patched out. So sorry, no, no more unlimited funds. <laughs> um, and then we're going to be talking about Nintendo ROM, Nintendo taking down ROM universe even more than they took down the first time two years ago. Nintendo takes down yeah. ROM universe, curb stomp edition. <laughs> and then for the second part of the podcast, our dungeons part, um, we will be doing we're talking about big bad guys and how you make them. Yeah. So big how do bad you bad guys and what to do and how how to do? Yeah. How do you make that that big bad guy seem like a big bad guy and not just like a hobgoblin? And not like a small bad guy, because yeah. I mean, who wants a small bad guy as opposed to a big bad guy? Yeah. Exactly. 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 Oh, man. So I guess jumping right yeah. into it, Steam had an issue. Um, where with you their get, wallets. With their wallets. You could get unlimited money. <laughs> and I mean, so, if you think about it, a wallet's only about like this big by this big, but it had unlimited yeah, money in it. Yeah. They broke space and time. Something this size. 
I'm not going to take out one of my cards. I'm not that stupid. I was going <laughs> to. No, I, that, mine's not even on my desk. I wasn't going to even. That's why I did this. Something, this as opposed to actually grab my wallet. So a card of about this size <laughs> could potentially a card about have this size. It, it, any card could be worth anything. It could be worth literally like anything. And a card about this size is worth about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> It's weird and rectangular. It's true. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's worth the most because it's a misprint, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, we gotta have that." That could be true. But yeah, so Steam Wallet. What well, there was next point? We just got unlimited funds, and essentially, what happened is there was a hacker who found out about this and did ra- rather than just try and steal unlimited money and let other people also steal it, they notified Steam. So that they could patch it out. So this was from a website called Hacker One, and the point of Hacker One is like white hat hackers purposefully try to do like pen testing or like intercept things. They they try to find a way to break a website like Steam or anything really, PayPal, Facebook. But they're good guys. They're not black hat hackers who are actually trying to use the exploits. They're trying to make this better for everybody. Um. So the guy Doctor Bix submitted a report to Valve. Uh, which says I have found I have found vulnerability which allows hackers to generate Steam wallet balance. Um, and then he goes around to say uh, you have to change your Steam's account email to something like he'll explain the steps below to how to do it, but it's a special type of email address. Then go to the ads funds yeah. account and then try to use Smart to pay. And then after that, you can intercept the post request. So what that means is the post request is what tells the web form to contact the server. So in in essence, you're you're stealing that transaction of going from the Steam ad funds page in the Steam server. You're intercepting that transaction and you're changing it in the middle. Right. Um, the whole Which you can thing. Which do over and over and over again and just have all the Steam money you'd ever want. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the big thing here is that you can actually go look at it. If, you, if, if you're tech savvy or you care to see, you can actually see the whole report. That's what I'm looking at right now. And it got passed yeah. on to Valve. And Valve was like, oh, my God. Thank you so much. We value you so much that we're going to underpay you by a significant margin and get the hell out of here. Yep. Seventy five hundred bucks. That was all they paid this guy. Which don't get me wrong. This hack. Which, yeah, you might say. This is a pretty sizable chunk of money, and you'd be right. But think about the amount of money they would have lost if this had gone pop- public. Like, I mean, that, that's more than I made today, but also last month Valorant paid someone $100,000 for finding an exploit. Yeah. Um, I, and you know Steam's got more money than Riot? Valve, said, Valve has to have more money than Riot. I wonder if it says in here... Because Dota's better than League. Um... So no response. It's fine. Don't even justify it. Oh, sorry. Say that again. I was reading the no, Valve response. No. Oh, no, it's just it's done forever. I said it. Valve has more money than Riot because Dota's oh, yeah. better than League. Well, I'm, I mean, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't think Dota's where they get most of their money from. But you know, um, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know how much microtransactions exist for cosmetics in that game that people buy? Yeah. I don't know, man. They make a lot of money off of that. I mean, there's Steam in general. <laughs> make a lot of money off of that. 
But yeah, they're but all yeah, like, um, thank you. This Valorant, is what Valve said. I don't remember what the bug was. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't remember what the bug was either. I don't even think it was as bad as this. Like, <laughs> I think this was way worse than the Valorant bug. Yeah. Um, Unlimited see. funds. Valorant hacker, 100,000. Virtual money. Um, But yeah, so while you're looking that up, Steam oh. pretty much, it, it just, what? It it was uh it exposes uh, Valorant's anti-cheat software, so people could potentially oh. abuse the anti-cheat. So like if they can get the netcode for the anti-cheat, they can get around it. Uh, Riot Games paid a hundred thousand dollars to not have their netcode exposed, and Steam spent seven thousand dollars on an infinite money in real life glitch. Let that sink in. That's like <laughs> that's such a so underpaid. Yeah, that that person stopped, so he could have easily just slowly leaked it, and yep. the amount of money Steam would have lost is potentially astronomical. Oh, yeah. Well, this was Steam's response. So the guy gives in his whole report, right? Steam's response was, "Thanks for your report. We've been able to validate this is happening pretty much as described, and are taking steps now. Please stand by as we have not assessed severity or bounty yet." And then the next thing is like what? the same day. We're deploying a fix now. Retest. And then. Yeah, we changed the severity assessment to critical, reflecting the potential cost of business and apply to bounty accordingly. Yeah, fuck you. Hope to hear from you in the future. Wow. And then the guy says, wow, thanks for the bounty. And it's like, okay. That was that was worth so much more than seven thousand dollars. Right. I mean, but if you're that guy and you get that much money, you're gonna be like, holy crap, it's a lot of money to get at one time. So, I mean, you're not gonna turn it down. You're not yeah. going to say you're not going to ask for more because technically they didn't have to pay them him anything. So th- this guy has found. But it's still so. Okay. Yeah. No. He. What do he's... you think? What's what's a what's a good. What's a good money range? Oh, I would have said at least twenty. Who... I think twenty is like you're starting twenty k. I think that's your starting range. I was for. at I was at more. I mean, if if Valorant paid what, what do you say a hundred? Yeah, a hundred for for their net code. Right. Um, I think I think yeah, definitely at least starting at a hundred. So looking back, if you look at that specifically as a baseline just for net code, I think at least a hundred thousand. The the reason I say twenty is a starting point is if they get a hold of the net code, they get a hold of intellectual property. And in a, they could sell. If they go to hold of hold of all of your money, all the Steam money in the I world. I mean, it, it kind of depends, right? If Steam can back out the transactions, I think twenty is the ground floor. I don't think that's what you should aspire for, but I think anything under twenty is an insult right off the bat. Like, like. I mean, true. I feel I like. 100. I I think a hundred's fair. I just think anything under twenty is insulting. I think twenty is fair I mean, compensation. Or sorry, a hundred. Yeah. I think a hundred is fair compensation. Sorry. Yeah. I, I think anything under twenty k is just a slap in the face, insulting. Sure. I mean, so the real question everyone's asking themselves, Rufus, what would you do with all of the Steam funds in the world? What would I do with all of the Steam? I would gift all of the virtual money. <clears throat> I would gift all of my friends a copy of Paradigm. I would not accept that gift. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Because then I'd feel like I should probably play it, and I don't want to do that. I would, uh... 
I would buy all the copies of Cyber Shadow so nobody has to play it. Cyber Not, Shadow? No, sorry, Cyberpunk, sorry. Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk? Cyberpunk okay. Yes. Those are different games. Yes, they are. I was very a different hurt, games. Actually, there for no, a little no, bit. No, Cyberpunk. Cyber, I, I was Cyber thinking Shadow. of the clip that I posted to TikTok earlier today where you said you were your your thousand sub thing, you're gonna do a damageless cyber shadow. Damageless cyber yeah. shadow? Oh yeah, it's gonna be fun. I had that um, on the mind because I was editing that today. <laughs> this is why I can never get married. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. If I do, that's the gift. Here's a thousand subs, Cal. It's going to be great because you're going to find someone and you're going to fall <laughs> madly in love and you're going to be like, I'm sorry, we can't get married. Why? Because Rufus is always watching. <laughs> terrible. The rest of my life is ruined. <laughs> the rest of your life is Rufus. <laughs> I, I would I would probably find unlimited steam puns. I'd you know of course buy any game I wanted, and then I'd just start gifting out stuff because like why not? I would mostly gift stuff. I my backlog is so big. I'd buy like one game and then gift stuff. But also if I was ever it's unlimited, so like you can just go. It depends if I actually have it or if I came across it um, dishonestly. If I came across it dishonestly, I probably wouldn't get it. Then anything. you give back. Yeah. But if if they so just like, oh my god, like like honestly, I think that would have been a decent compensation for that guy to just like. Let him get games for free. Oh, no. I mean, I feel like games for free compared to at even 7,500 real life money. They could have done both 7,500 and free games for life. It could have also just given him 100K. They could have. They could have. But my way is still cheaper. It wouldn't matter how many games he got, it would still be cheaper. True. True. And Valve is a company. So they like to. So money is a thing, and they're trying. I, I, it, it does still just kind of feel bad for the guy. It makes even sense. though he has like that's a lot of money. And like twenty five hundred, it's still a lot of money. I was looking at his profile in Hacker One. He actually found like some other stuff, and like other people didn't pay him anything. So he's probably he's probably actually just happy to get something out of it. But maybe I'm just a greedy asshole. Surprised right? that they don't put these people on payroll because i feel like that they would be nice they'd be good to just have on payroll rather than just have freelancers well the thing is that they do have people like that on payroll but they didn't catch well it. apparently they're bad yeah they're not as good as this guy right yeah but like companies like that they do have people who do pen testing and that try to qa this stuff but i i, I would almost guarantee what happened is that guy found out about a similar exploit somewhere else and then just decided to try it on everybody who uses that system a lot of the times sure. you'll find that is that someone will find an exploit in like, I don't know, eBay. That's a bad example, but they'll find an exploit somewhere <laughs> I don't else. Know. eBay. Who uses eBay anymore? I, I was just thinking of something that has transactions that might use that software, that pay to <laughs> smart to pay or whatever. But like smart to pay, yeah. They'll usually they'll find an exploit that's similar. Maybe it wasn't smart to yeah. pay, but it was someone else. And like, okay, well if you hijack you know, the post, I can do this and then intercept it with another email and whatever. Then they're like, oh, I wonder if yeah. that works on Steam. And then they try it. <laughs> and they're like, oh, then shit. It does. It does. You're like, oh, um, my God. But yeah, there are good people left in the world who do just want things to go well. Like, that guy yeah. probably doesn't do that for a living. Um, otherwise, no, he's got to do something else. Otherwise, if he's not getting paid for any yeah. of it, then, you know... Yeah, he's found, like, I think it was, like, seven or eight exploits, and before that, most of them didn't pay, but one of them paid, like, 250 bucks or something like that, and then... It's just sad. 
But the other exploits might have been really small, too. Like, hey, somebody can That's mess true. with your database a little bit and really inconvenience you. And they're like, okay, here's $5,000. Yes. Here's 250 bucks because we didn't want to be mildly inconvenienced, you know. <laughs> Who were the other hey, people? It's really worth it. They were. I still have. Yeah, here we go. Hacker one. Uh, so Imgur, he found three things on Imgur. He found. Does anyone use Imgur anymore? Oh yeah, Imgur is used all all over the place for posting photos anonymously. Um, oh okay. He found two for Postmates. I don't know yeah, what that is. Man. Was that? Oh okay, yeah, that's like, yeah, that's like delivery stuff. And then he found one with yeah. Razor, and the only person who paid him was Postmates. They gave him two hundred and fifty bucks two years ago. <laughs> two hundred fifty. I mean, at least he got something for it. Like I said, the ones that he found on other people's sites, like they're not necessarily big vulnerabilities, right? Like I don't know what the three that he found on Imgur were, but they could have been like basically nothing other than like make it'll make you look bad if people find it. Like you know, your site crashes if this happens. Like that could be something. But that being said, they've paid like Imgur has paid other people. So like it might just be the one he found wasn't that, you know. I guess, so, yeah, important. if you're basing it off of severity, because oh, back to the whole their company, and you're not just going to give away money if it's not a huge thing. Oh, wait. Yeah, Imgur did give... Okay, apparently Imgur did give him a bounty award, and it's just not disclosed. And I can't even see the report. It just shows that he did something. Yeah. Yeah, so Imgur awarded that that guy two, one bounty, and you can't see the report. So it could you have been see the amount. Well, I mean, I'm actually kind of surprised that Steam put the amount out there. Now that you're thinking about it, they could have just said they paid you a bounty. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is yeah, they didn't have to say. So like on this one that I'm on for Imgur, it says like the reward. For each resolved eligible vulnerability report, the first reporter will receive Imgur's dis discretion. And then it says recognition on our Hall of Fame and then monetary compensation ranging from fifty to $5,000 depending on the severity and potential impact of the vulnerability. 50 to 5, so you just like, here's 50 bucks. Yeah, depending on the severity. So like they're telling you up front, right. you're going to make somewhere between... Maybe Valve did the same thing. Maybe like that was the most they could... Or the most that they would give like let's look at valves here um exclusions dependencies assets severity rewards yeah he got the highest he got the highest possible okay so, so 75 i think it's a low ball but yeah it is but that like that's the highest they give out so i guess he would have gone into it knowing that was the best he could get and I guess that means, you know, he did the best of the best, right? Because he got the best he could get. Yeah. He did, he did the best. He he did good. Point still stands. It's too small. Too low. I but, would say so, yeah. Yeah. But that's that. Yeah, that was, that was the Steam exploit. Let's see. What else do we have for questions under here? Um... <laughs> Start going. They start going off the rails for a little bit. So if you'd what like about, to read them off, you can. You don't have to. Though. What about Unlimited Monopoly Money? I feel like I've played that game, and it's not fun. 
I feel like I feel like as a kid. Yeah, no, they I, unlimited monopoly, buddy. Well, I feel I feel like enough people tried to steal and stuff that it was basically unlimited, or you That's would just true. you know do silly shit. That's true. <laughs> How many friends did you lose to Monopoly? We didn't really play a lot of Monopoly at all. Well, damn it, Rufus. No, I, I it was just such a not fun game. I had a better games like Break the Safe. Have you That's ever played true. Break I mean, the like, Safe? I like Monopoly. Uh, no, no. Break the Safe was cool. We had a lot break of board safe? games. No, well, it's like a spy game. And Scategories uh, was a fun game. I don't know if we played Scategories. Yeah, Scategories is good. I Classic. like that one. Scategories is good. I feel like my family always tried to play Monopoly, and then we always would we wouldn't, we wouldn't really, really fight, but we would get mad at each other at some point during Monopoly because someone would make a bad trade. <laughs> and then we would say, we're never playing it again. And then in a month or two, we'd play Monopoly again. That's how everybody's household went. I feel like we just lost yeah. the money all the time, and we just couldn't play it. We never lost the money. It was literally just someone would make a trade that made zero sense, and then everyone else would be like, "Why did you just give that person this property for this property?" I also we also had like the the Pokemon Master Quest board game or whatever it was called, Master Trainer or something like that. It, that was a really I, that was a super cool know. game. Um, there were like a whole bunch of these like Pokemon discs. Digimon. They were like <laughs> they were like this big and they went all over the board. So like every game it was different Pokemon and as you went through like the board you could catch Pokemon and then it, near the end of the game or at different points in the game you would fight gyms before you could get to the end. Uh, and like what did Jim do to you? Uh, he was kind of a dick. I didn't like him. <laughs> so you fought him. You know that's fine. I actually understand. You, you, I get you. We're good here. <laughs> I was in a meeting today. And there was somebody talking, and I was like, you know what? This guy doesn't really sound like what I envisioned he would sound like. He doesn't really... I'll, I'll make up a name, but he doesn't really sound like a Bob. And in my head, I actually <laughs> thought... I bet he's a... I thought he was... like, He sounds like a gym. I bet he's a gym. He sounds like a gym. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> uh, oh, gym. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't sound like oh, a Bob. Gym. I'm pretty sure he's a gym. Yeah. And, and you know... I feel like I never really put voices to names, maybe faces, but not voices. So I, I've never really had that experience. And that person doesn't really sound like a. Well, it's kind of it's kind of one of those things where like when you talk to somebody in text form for like two or three years and you never hear their voice, you kind of make up a voice in their head, in your head for them, right? And then when you finally hear it, you're like, no, you're not Bob, you're a Jim. That that does not sound like what I envisioned at all. <laughs> you're wrong. You're not allowed. You're wrong. You can change your name now. Yeah, you cannot be this person. Yeah, let me Bob. <laughs> no, I'll be Jim. Guess let's move on to the next guy here, Nintendo. Um, Nintendo. So let let's let's go back in time a little bit. 2019. Yep. Nintendo ordered started started a lawsuit or yet yeah, actually won a lawsuit yep. against the ROM Universe site to take down all Nintendo ROMs. They won the lawsuit. They ended up getting $2.1 million out of it that the owner well, of Rum Universe... Well, God. <laughs> we're, we're going to get. They're um, awarded. The $2.1 million in damages, but it was supposed to be paid in $50 a month increments. Because the dude was that's just a reasonable. dude. Yeah, he was just a dude. Exactly. <laughs> so what happened recently, Rufus? So recently, Nintendo heard that uh, the owner of the ROM Universe website was considering reopening the website. Um, and they thought, uh, wait a minute. No, 
And then he's like, oh, well, I won't put Nintendo ROMs on there. I'll just put other ROMs. And they were like, well, like, hold on, wait, like, no. So they contacted um, the judge again because they had tried to get this ordered the first time, um, which was a permanent injunction and uh, destruction of the ROMs is what they wanted. So the way this, uh, I'll read you guys a little bit from the article here, the original source. It's a site. Sites operator, Los Angeles resident Matthew Storm, and disagree. Oh, say so yeah, he disagreed with the allegations. Represented himself in court, um, and then we get down to the injunction. After taking a second look at the matter, Judge Marshall now sees enough grounds to issue the injunction. Uh, in an order issued late last week, the potential comeback of ROM Universe is repeatedly cited as an important factor. Plaintiff's evidence demonstrates a threat of continued infringement based on the defendant's representations that he may relaunch his website, which previously contained the plaintiff's copyrighted games. Accordingly, plaintiff demonstrates irreparable harm, warranting an injunction for plaintiff's copyright infringement claim. So basically, he said he was going to open his site but he wasn't going to put Nintendo ROMs on there. And they were like, ah, no, order him to delete all the ROMs. So and, do you know what the real kicker is here? Was that? Um, he didn't pay his first payment. No, yeah, he missed his first payment of $50, <laughs> which I assume that was totally on purpose. Um, yeah, because as like a, as a big F you to Nintendo, it's like, yeah, I'm just not going to pay it. Because like if we go back further up, so like when he went to court the first time, that's the part I was reading in the beginning. Um, Los Angeles resident Matthew Storm disagrees with the allegations without an attorney. He decides to defend himself in court. In his view, the site wasn't breaking any laws and asked the court to dismiss the case. It, it, it technically is. ROM sites do legally break laws in the U.S. Yeah, no, like you're distributing something that you don't own the rights to. It's Correct. It's one of those things where like it's not necessarily illegal to own a ROM depending on circumstance, but it's definitely yeah. illegal to distribute it. <laughs> like that, that's the big thing. There's the distribution. Yes. Yeah. So like if you own a game, you can own a ROM of it technically, but you're not supposed to distribute the ROM. Yeah. That, that's that is all. That's the big like issue. That's, yeah. Um, that's the law. So yeah. He gets this injunction and basically they, uh, at the bottom of the injunction, they're like, Hey, um, you have to destroy all of them by actually tomorrow, August 17th. And then you're going to come here and you're going to file something or not file something. You're going to sign something, um, to the court certifying that you are complying and that you have got them all deleted. And if you don't, you just perjured yourself, which probably means jail time. Um, so yeah, I mean, if he doesn't follow that order, he's going to eventually go to jail if he keeps on not following anything. And doing his own thing, being a being an anarchist and all that. And that's Quite just bad. it. Like, I don't see how he has the courage to to even say that he's going to relaunch the site. Like, even without Nintendo's games. Like at this point, other people are just going to see that and be like, "Ah, uh, no." <laughs> like as soon as it comes like, back uh, up no we're gonna take you down like then then konami or all the other places will take him down yeah. next yeah everyone's just gonna go after him now that they've seen that nintendo won so like yeah what's the point why bother relaunching your site ad revenue for the day that it's up like <laughs> yeah it's like it's literally just gonna come right back down there there's no way that stays up for any length of time and there's nothing you're really accomplishing except for 
uh, actually, I don't even know. There's really nothing you're, there's, there's zero things you're accomplishing. Yeah. Bring it back up for a day. I would be curious. I'd like to go back and find the original court documents to hear his argument as to how he's not breaking any laws. Because it always fascinates me when people, there's a lot of arguments. Like I've been on the opposite side of this argument many times about ROMs or really any kind of pirating where the number one argument is, oh, well, they've done studies that have proved that even like pirating doesn't affect sales. Because I wouldn't have I, I, I wouldn't have bought it anyway. So that's not how that works. Well, I know that's the argument though, right? And I'm like, okay, no, but I like, know. I'm like, okay, but no. So like, here's the thing. If you so like, let's like, let's pick like, you know, two years ago, Disney Plus didn't exist, and you downloaded the new Marvel movie. That's in effect a form of supporting it. So like. Because now you're watching it and you're hyping it. It's a form of support, not monetary support, but it's a form of support for the film and the franchise. But the whole point is looking at monetary support, though, not hype support. So, like, I guess where I'm coming from this you're is not... either you're if you you support it enough to want to watch it. And you support it enough to want to get in on it and hype it up, but you don't support it enough to pay 20 bucks to go watch it. Like. I don't understand how you think that the industry can continue if your support right. stops at your wallet. Right. Like you, you, you do if you, if you like it that much, you should spend money on it. That way, you know the industry keeps going. And if you're not willing like to spend money on rather it, rather than just you know to pirate it. And then like the other argument I hear a lot of is, oh well, now that it's all digital, they don't have to manufacture, so their costs That's have not... their costs have gone way down. Like, yeah, well, no. The like here's game, the thing. Game price, game cost has actually gone up a lot. Oh yeah. To and, make a game. And same with like movies. Now that the amount of special effects that keep them competitive, like everything's gone up in price. The amount of staff you gotta have, and the fact that if you're if you're making a game, you're not making money off the game you're making for many years. Oh yeah. Until it actually releases. Yeah. It's a huge investment, and maybe it turns out like yeah. Cyberpunk, like, you know. Yeah. Maybe but, it turns out like Brink. But I, I, I never understood that. Like, how do you expect the industry to still be an industry? Like, either, like, if you really don't want to pay for it, you really need to watch it or listen to it or have it. And that was kind of my stance I was telling you earlier on ROMs. If yeah. Nintendo had an online marketplace where I could buy ROMs, I would buy everything that I play. Hands down. Right. Um, if you had the ability to. If I had the ability, because like I said earlier, if I go buy it from a secondhand shop, Nintendo sees zero of that dollar anyway. Like I could go sure. buy, I don't know, Mario Paint at a pawn shop and then download the ROM. And I'm technically not breaking any laws because it's just a digital backup of something that I already have. So, right. but Nintendo doesn't see any money either way. So like if they would give me a way to get the thing... I would do it because right. that's the kind of person I am. I would go buy the game and then I would get the ROM and then it would be easier for me to do on my computer, but emulators and emulation aren't illegal. But like I would do that or like music. Why would I download music when I can have something like Spotify and just listen to it? If you're not going to yeah. make your music available to me, why would I go out of my way to download it? 
it's not that good to me. I can live without it. Same right. with, same with movies. If or like Rick and Morty is a perfect example. There's like nowhere to stream and we're Rick back and, to Rick and Morty. There's like nowhere to stream Rick and Morty in Canada. Could I pirate it? Yes. Why? Why would I want to support them in any way? Why would I want to encourage a conversation about a show that I can't watch because they won't put it on a platform that I can have access to? Love the show. Not going to watch it. Not until they put it somewhere I can watch. You know, they don't, they apparently don't like Canadians. I guess not. But like, I'm okay with that. Some people aren't. Some people are definitely of, I'll say of this generation where they need instant gratification and they need access to everything and they just couldn't live without it. It's like, well, like then nothing's going to change. Like which generation are you talking about here? Cause there's many, so our generation or the generation after us, anybody who had access to the internet by the time they were nine. Okay. So our generation and our generation and, and younger. Um, yeah. But like, there's so many people who, if they, if they can't get it on Netflix, they'll just go get it somewhere else. And it's like, Mm, no, it, like you, it, realistically, these companies, like video game companies, music artists, uh, TV show creators, movie creators, kind of work for us. If we don't indulge in their content, they don't get to make more. Like, do you think the Marvel universe would still be going if they weren't busting box like box offices? Like, <laughs> no, no, they, they wouldn't. Be they wouldn't keep, keep making going. it. So like, well, actually, since Disney owns them, they probably could if but, they wanted but like, to. Would they? Have they? Money to throw at it, would but they? Would they? No. And the answer is no. Probably not. So like, um, if they do really you know, good at the box again, office, business is making money kind of go hand in hand. They do, but like, like I was saying, kind of like that whole support thing. You're not gonna go buy the movie or watch it in theaters, but you'll download it and then you'll go buy all their merch because you're okay with that. Like, you're still supporting them. You just didn't pay for the movie, right? You're just paying for the other stuff. But, like... Why don't I just pay for the movie and go out and watch the movie? I mean, I 100% agree, but it's like, if you didn't watch the movie, you then wouldn't have the merch. So, like, maybe you should just man up and not watch the movie. Or go pay for it. One of the two. Instead of just, like, having... Or just go watch the movie. Or Yeah, or pay for it and go watch the movie. Yeah. But I'm definitely on the opposite side of this. I'm not used to people agreeing with me. I'm usually on the opposite end of this conversation where I'm the guy who's like, no, it, it's, it's just wrong. What you're doing is wrong. And I mean, don't get like, I've done it. Like, I'm not going to pretend like I haven't, but I understand that it's wrong. Yeah. I, I don't do it now, but like, true. You've changed. You're a changed Rufus. I, I'm a cha- I'm a reformed Rufus. Reformed Rufus. <laughs> reformed Rufus. But like, so like, yeah. Quite, so, back to ROMs in general. Okay. What are your stance on them, like, being hosted anywhere, though? So, a lot of people use ROMs who mm-hmm. have bought the game before. Yep. And technically, having a site that hosts ROMs is illegal. Yep. But as a streamer, without access to ROMs, you would need to get, like, you'd have to have one of every console... Not necessarily. You can buy every you can, cartridge. You can buy a cartridge dumper and put it onto your own PC. Cartridge dumpers aren't super expensive, I don't think. Um, let's see. There are people who do it. They refuse to download ROMs and they just get um cartridge dumpers. Like, how much is a? Uh, okay, so a SNES. Okay, so a SNES card reader is eighty bucks. So they're a little bit expensive. Um, yeah. 
but that could, get the card. so this one here works for um i think it works for multiple it works for sega genesis and snes so that does two different systems but like do you, do you own one of those no i don't um but if i didn't have access to them i would probably just pick one up right like i don't think I don't think hosting has to be the end of the world. Oh, okay. They sell other ones too for like, yeah, for like <laughs> literally everything. Um, but honestly, like the fact that they host them makes it easier for me, but it's still wrong. Um, it's less wrong when there's no way to get the game in my opinion. Yeah. Like, like an old, old game that, you know, only like, a certain amount of copies. Like, like Silver like Silver Surfer for really NES. What if you really wanted to play E.T.? Or, yeah, E.T. or Silver Surfer for NES. Like, yeah. Nintendo's not making any money on that. They're not selling it anywhere. They're just sitting on this game that doesn't exist anymore. So, like, like I said, if I can buy it, I'll buy it. And then I'll get a digital copy of it. And if there's absolutely zero way to get the game, then they're not missing out on any money. Because it's impossible for me to get it. Because, like, there's nothing really stopping me from buying the cartridge, dumping it, and then selling it again. That's not really illegal either. So, like, <laughs> there's nothing really I mean, stopping true. me from doing that. So, like, that, I guess that's why, I, yeah. that's why I don't really feel bad about it. Because, like, I could go buy the game that I can't get anywhere because Nintendo won't sell it on their eShop, dump it, and then go sell it to the pawn shop and be out five bucks. Like, I bought it for 20 I sold it for 15 and then, just right. buy, and then just buy another game, right? So, like, if they don't want to make it available to me, I don't really feel that bad. But if they're going to make it available to me, I'll just buy it, then I'll get the ROM, and I won't have any guilt at all, because I bought it. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I feel like we're agreeing, and I'm just playing a little bit of devil's advocate right here, because, you know, you've got to have both sides for represented. Sure. For sure. Um, but like one of the things that just like came to my mind is mystery tournaments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Without a ROM site to have any hosting at all. Yep. What what would actually become of them? So there'd only be a couple of ways to do it, which they kind of still do as well. Um, they also do mystery tournament with free Flash games and Steam games. Oh, see that's smart. Um. They also do it with those as well as ROMs and stuff. So, like, I think it would still exist. Like that, in, that makes sense. I think it would still exist in some form. And the other thing, too, is they would do mystery races at GDQs live on console. Like, they could still do them that way. Just be like, hey, guys, we got to track down four copies of this game so we can run it. I don't think it would be nearly as big as it is today. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. it just wouldn't be the same. But I think somebody would probably still be doing it to some capacity just it wouldn't be as cool this would be smaller yeah yeah it'd be smaller and less cool uh i guess best question is when are you joining the next mystery tournament when are we going to see rufus's comeback so i missed one recently that i'll get back to you for next podcast because their schedule is buried in their discord but I think oh, I, this was a joke. Are you actually going to join another one? Possibly? Oh yeah, no, totally. I love them. They're nice. great. They're great. I love nice. mystery tournaments. They're, I find them so much fun. Even when I lose They're like, it's just, they're just so ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely doing another one. Um, I think there's, nice. I think the co-op ones in October, we were thinking of doing it together. Um, let's do it. 
Um, if I'm right about where do it being, I sign up? If I'm right about it being in October, I'll send you a link to their Discord, and that's how you sign up. Um, okay. But yeah, I will be doing another one if, uh, whenever it is. <laughs> nice, cool. You heard it here, folks. Potentially even doing the co-op one in October. We'll see what happens with yeah, that. Yeah, if I'm right about that. <laughs> I I'm gonna believe you 100%, and I'm gonna hold you to that no matter you what. You should. I yeah. Okay. You got anything cool. else to say I about think, ROMs, Cal? I think we're good there. You want to just read over those last couple of questions in your head, and then uh, that's pretty much it. Okay, so we're yeah. What if ROM? Okay. How many times can you rephrase the question? Apparently, about four. I'm not. I'm not stroking a hat. <laughs> you are. <laughs> Boundless stroke. So the entire, the entire like five lines I wrote at the end were nonsense. It's what if ROMs never existed? What if one day ROMs never exist at all? How many times can I rephrase this question? What if ROMs exist never? What if ROM? I'm not stroking a have. You are. What ROM if exists never? There. Yeah. Sorry. What ROMs if exist never? I'm not stroking a have. You are. And then I referenced Boundless strong. A meme. Bon Bondulance. <laughs> Did you ever see that meme where maybe <laughs> show me the you meme. can um oh, okay okay come on Cal show me the meme so the meme is just a it's just a thing it's words yeah and all it is is the the Bond's name James name uh, it. <laughs> It's so it's paragraph and it starts yeah. off with the Bond's name, James' name, and then the next thing is please to what? Bond's name, the James. Are you all right? Bond's nons having a strong call of Bond. <laughs> call of Bond. <laughs> and it, it's it's just messing with names James names Bond yeah. James Bond and it yeah that was it, good. It's I a like hilarious that. meme. Um, and it makes me laugh every time. But yeah, <laughs> I think that's pretty much it for Roms. Okay. There's another surprise planned for me this week. Yeah, um, I I got another challenge slash game for you this week, and we're not gonna get TOS'd. I promise. I feel like we're gonna get TOS. I'm a hundred percent sure we get. You told me that like three times. There's, now. I don't spe believe you there's specifically no pictures this time, so we don't get TOS'd. Did we get TOS'd? No, but we probably oh. would with this one if there were pictures. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> um, so. <I> don't... <laughs> The name of this game is called What Kind of Dungeon Master Are You? Oh, okay. Now, I have ten questions for you. Can I look at the stream and everything? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Stream yep. Okay. yep. Um, is, this, is this one of those, like, what Harry Potter character are you? No. Well, I mean, kind of. <laughs> but uh, what kind of dungeon master are you? Try to keep your eyes off chat because they might know the answers. Okay. But, uh, so the way the game works is I'm going to tell you a name and you're going to tell me if it's a and d monster or a sex toy. <laughs> okay. And we're going to see how many out of 10 you can get right. And if you get them all right, you might have some questions to answer. <laughs> you're either really good at D&D &D or I don't know you at all. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. Okay. Oh, and after you answer a question, I'm going to send you a... <laughs> I, under, I understand the TOS part now. 
And uh, <laughs> after you answer a question, I'm going to send you a link. And when you open that link, it'll be pretty apparent if you were right or wrong. This is a, uh, this is, this is TikTok, right? Yeah. I, you were I, talking about TikTok yeah, doing a thing. Yeah. yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they did it as well. So um, I don't use the TikToks. So the it's first one, <laughs> the first one is called a high flyer. So I'm going to say it's it's a toy because I don't remember high. So this is going to be based off of whether I know the name of a monster. Yeah. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to go, go with the other one. Okay. High flyer. You're right. I'm right. You're right. Okay. Okay. You are 100% right. right. One out of 10. Okay. Uh, Yay! I don't know if I want to be right. Maybe I'll just purposely start throwing <laughs> the game. Okay, the next so, one? <laughs> yeah, so what? You realize that I know almost every D&D monster. <laughs> like I said, if you get them all right, I'll be... <laughs> We'll never know okay. how you knew them all. You can tell us it was because of D and D, but like we'll never really know. We'll we'll never really know. Pokemon. Now we have D and D or other D. Yeah, the next one is a Norker. Uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with D and D monster in this one. I don't think I've ever heard of one called Norker. Maybe I'm just throwing the game. You don't know. Oh, you're right. You're right. right. Yeah, it is. It is. A, it is a D and D character. I guessed. Uh, okay. 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 Let, let's Give me go, another one. Let's, let's go. go. The next one. Let's, the next, let's keep going. The next one is called a flail snail. Um, toy. Wrong. No. That's wrong. a. That is a D and D character. Or monster. Okay. 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 Uh, the next one is called a cockatrice. Oh, that's definitely a D&D monster. And you're pronouncing it wrong as cockatrice. Damn. Schooled. You're totally right. Cockatrice is a D&D okay, monster. Okay, so we're at three out of four right now. Uh, the next one is called a squeal-go. Um, we're going to go with toy. It's... I'm, I'm right yeah you got it yeah you got that one i was <laughs> trying to post it in the thing uh the no, next you it, you're good. the next one is called uh a mantric you go with a D monster that is incorrect okay <laughs> this is harder than it sounded eh <laughs> i you still don't know if I'm throwing on purpose or not. <laughs> You'll never know. Uh, the next one is called a quickling. We'll go with D&D monster again. That is correct. A quickling is a D&D monster. Five out of seven. Uh, let's go with a banderhob. I'm going to go with D&D monster again. Just gonna keep keep rolling with this one. You're correct. A Banderhob is a D and D monster. Six out of eight. Me. Okay. The the next one is called a Dream Rabbit. 
See, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Toy on this one because <laughs> it really should be a D and D monster. You're correct. Damn, you nice. are correct. We got one more left. Seven out of nine. You know I should have thrown that one, Rufus. I could have been <laughs> six out of nine. <laughs> this one is called a tickler. I'm gonna go with D and D monster. So I'm pretty sure that exists as a D and D monster. That is incorrect. Damn. Seven out of ten. That's not bad. That's not bad. See, there is a surprising amount of overlap. Like, they all kind of sound like they could. There was another one I was going to put in, but I didn't, called A Screaming Octopus. (laughs) I was going to put it back-to-back with Flail Snail. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now we know that I... I Was there 50-50? Yeah, you had a yeah, 50, there was. yeah, you had a 50-50 chance at all of them. No, but like there were five D&D monsters yeah, and five yes, toys. Yes, there yeah, were. Okay. Yeah, I didn't tell you that to start, but there were exactly half. There were yeah, 50-50. Interesting. Yeah. Um yeah, no, I I it's a TikTok challenge down. 10 out of 10. <laughs> you, you did pretty I good. I understand that you would have gotten 10 out of 10 and that's why you didn't want me to do this one. Oh yeah, we're no, still, yeah, totally. I would have got. We're like, still hiding the. We're still keeping the good Rufus name while we we dragged the cow name yeah, through the mud. Exactly. It's fine. I actually knew every D and D monster, and that's how I would have known them all. Ah, <laughs> yeah. oh, sure, sure, yeah. That's what I said. That's what I said it was going to happen. And then you're like, no. The one I really wanted to use, but I I just I already knew that you knew it was a gibbering mouther is like the perfect it's one. So much. It's so, so good. Much fun. It would have been so good to put in there, but I knew that you knew what that was. So yeah, you, you fought one before yeah. in my campaign I, I, yeah. too. Exactly. So, so you know that. So you I kn- almost died. I yeah, I got knocked unconscious. But almost I told died. I knew that you knew what it was, so I couldn't just put a gibbering mouther in there. You could have. I, I could have. It would have been a free question. <laughs> but anyway, seven out of ten. Yeah. Apparently, I know some of the differences between things. <laughs> Someday. See, I really wish we wouldn't get TOS'd, but there's also a surprising amount of overlap between things that look like dog toys and things that are sex toys. But I couldn't do that when justice because I wouldn't be able to put any of the images on the screen. Why are we? Why? Why are you obsessed with this? Because it's hilarious. There's so much overlap. There's Uh, so much overlap. Okay. Also... It's fun to watch you struggle. <laughs> I don't think I was really struggling. No, you I weren't. Like, I was just guessing kind of quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I feel I, like I struggled more with Pokemon. You, you, uh, yeah. Yeah, you did. Who was that Pokemon? <laughs> oh, I didn't have it queued up. I, I kind of wish I did have it queued up. Who was that Pokemon? <laughs> I got you. Okay. So now we know. Moving on. Let's move on. I get to think about my life decisions now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should. <laughs> big bad, big bad evil guys, BBEGs, which isn't now, is really a any sh- monster. No, it's a category of D and D monster. <laughs> but yeah, big bad guys, big bad dudes. Uh, I would say cohesive campaigns have one to a few of these. Um, if you can you have big bad guy multiple layers. Yeah, 
it's it's more of an issue when you don't have one because what happens when you don't have a big bad guy is a lot of the time your plot loses focus and you don't really have the cohesive story which is why in, in our first episode we talked about that being a mind flayer came up with this idea so that we could drive the story um so obviously we got to talk about how to build one right exactly and we might as well build one while we're talking about it yeah so there's a couple different yeah. ways to do this um the first is to well first of all you got to know what kind of how you want your story to go but there's a couple ways to do this one thing i read about D a long time ago it kind of stuck with me was to steal relentlessly from things that you love um so if <laughs> you real. know you're not wrong it's like so okay you guys caught that the name of the big dragon was called a blue white. It was a blue white dragon, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. The blue eyes white dragon. I, you no, I just went with blue white dragon rather than say blue eyes white. I wasn't gonna go do the exact same thing <laughs> as Yu-Gi-Oh. Switch it up a little bit. But but honestly, you're when you think about it, like if you steal some from, if, yeah, there, there, I can say words. If you steal relentlessly from things that you love, you already have an emotional connection to the game and the story the characters that are going to be in it like if you really like lord of the rings there's definitely a lot of lore and things that you can pull from that into your own game maybe they may you know you probably don't want to play lord of the rings as a campaign but there's lots of stuff for you to pull in there's lots of lore there's lots of enemies there's lots of story plot points that you can use there i i actually have a pretty good amount thought up of an entire system for uh bioshock I've always wanted to run a Bioshock campaign that's legitimately yeah. like I have a fully written D and D five E system for it, and that would be cool. That'd be really cool. One day, one day. But a lot of the times, I will try to fashion adventures or campaigns or big bad guys after things that I really enjoy. So, like as an example, um, I once ran a one shot where the the party's sole goal it was a one shot that we ran over a couple days. And the whole point was there was a lawful good lich that lived in this town. And the idea was that she was a very powerful sorcerer who wanted to be immortal, but she wasn't really evil, but she came into lichdom and she ended up living forever. And she was taking care of this town. And for some reason she had to go to the next town over, but she couldn't leave the town because there was a paladin outside that wanted to kill her because he was overly zealous against undead. Yeah. That's actually from an anime that I watched called Kanasuba, where there was a lawful good witch who was being attacked by someone who thought that they were holier than thou but didn't realize that the lich was actually good um it's like i you know you kind of steal that and it's like that kind of works for you know a one-shot D fetch quest of taking something that's you know kind of backwards like a lawful good lich and turning that into a story element yeah so like i mean i can't say all about it actually i can't say much about it um but like the shadow his motives does that that no one knows yet because yeah. no one's asked um does does still take from something i love in mm -hmm. the story as well that i'm really into um it's more of a concept but i can't i can't say yeah it. i can't say it yet oh you you can say it now no i can't <laughs> i think i don't know if anyone's put any pieces together at all but there, there's not a lot of pieces yet to not, be put together. Not yet, no. no. We'll get there. We'll get there. Sure you will. 
So once you have this concept in mind, you've either taken from something that you've loved or maybe you don't really love anything and you're just a hateful, spiteful person. <laughs> you can always turn to the back of the DMG and take a really strong monster and use that as your base instead of something original. It's fine. You can tweak it. It doesn't really matter. The idea is that you find an idea that you like. And I've done that before for big bad guys where I just say, okay, I'm going to go to the, the monster manual and I'm going to just... It doesn't matter what CR it is. It could be a goat. Like Mind Flayers. Like Mind Flayers. Because that's what we're going to be doing today. But like literally anything. Like you can just go through and be like, hey, you know what? I really like the idea of a bugbear chief of some kind being the big bad boss for my level six campaign. Well, maybe it's a mutated bugbear that had experiments done on him. And I'm just going to take the bugbear as inspiration and rewrite, you know, how he works mechanically to an extent. Yeah. Um, you can do all sorts of things like that. The idea is that you have some kind of a connection with the thing that you're going to be running as the big bad because it's so much easier to run something when you care about it to some extent. Yeah. Um, why can't I find... So the real question is, do we want to have a mind flayer be the big bad guy or something pulling the strings of the mind flayer? What would even pull the strings of a mind flayer? Probably should start with the mind flayer and then work our way from there. Yeah, that that's probably a good idea. Um, so we got a mind flayer. Um, they're strong, but they're not like. It depends. I, we I guess we never really said how high of a level we're gonna run to, but a mind flayer is definitely more than enough for a low level party to be a big bad. Yeah. Like if we're talking like, you know, a level five party, we could easily tweak a mind flayer to be something more, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. They also have a couple variants, like a spell, more spellcaster-focused mind players have a higher challenge rating and whatnot. Yeah, like Tasha's Cauldron of Everything has one, I think. I believe so. Um, I think yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know what other thing. There's been mind flayers in a bunch of different books, though. So, like, you can also mind flayers are really cool if you're looking for, like, let's say you're someone that likes Lovecraftian things. Yep. You can pull from that. They look cthulhu And kind of go already. like a Cthulhu-esque, yeah, Cthulhu-esque route. Which is totally fine, because that's actually really cool to run a campaign, because you can work in a bunch of mm -hmm. twists in just your plot, based off of your characters seeing things that aren't real, or all that kind of really awesome Lovecraftian things. And there's also uh, a tool as well. They kind of yeah. look Lovecraftian. Yeah. They don't cast magic, though. No. And they um, can't Maybe talk. you can make them cast magic. Yeah, you can do You can do whatever you want. Weird. But a Mind Flayer is also just stronger in general, so you'd probably want to do that for your big bad. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... So I guess let's go with the Mind Flayer. Let's say this is going to be a level one through five adventure, let's say. And There's a that... normal Mind Flayer, which will be more than enough for a... Yeah, we, we, might, add a, we might add a little bit to them. But, uh... Yeah. We are dealing with a level, a challenge level seven Yeah. for a five. Like once we give him a lair action, he'll be good to go. Yeah. So... For anyone who doesn't know, I should bring up I should bring up the web browser that they can see. So that they can see what a mind flayer looks like. If they don't know. 
Okay. If you don't know now, you know. It, it just, just, just think Cthulhu, and you're, you're good to go. Okay. See. There he is. There. That's a mind flare. Um. Up here, we got our stat blocks. Whatever. Um, as you can see, they're int. They're definitely int casters. They, they are. Um, unfortunately, they're int casters, which is always fun. Unfortunately, they're like base spells isn't really that great you can always um, add spells though oh yeah which i think we're going to because i i like the idea of it being like a mind flayer sorcerer or wizard yeah it's like a big bad um but all they got like as base is detect thoughts levitate at will and then once per day they can either use dominate monster or plane shift on their self right and we're going to have to be a little bit careful because um, they have the advantage against magical stuff. So, <laughs> Yeah, so they're, I mean, they're pretty powerful because of that one trait just by itself. So, but, so we have Mind Flayer, we have a caster, big bad guys. Why, I, I like to start out before I start making the actual combat because like the stats and stuff aren't going to matter too much till near the very end. Yeah. So the very first thing I like to start think of is like what the story, like why why is this dude do why is the thing doing what it's doing? And I guess we'll recap this. What we had talked about before, and we, we first of all we reserved the right to retcon anything we said in a previous episode. You better believe it. Um, but what we had said earlier was that there was a rift opened up in that um, the castle to the like south east. And that mind flayers were pissed off at Waterdeep because nothing good ever comes from Waterdeep. There's just always adventurers that end up coming somehow into their plane and massacring them. So this is kind of yeah. like the revolt slash rebellion of the mind flayers onto Waterdeep. So this would be like go. the leader of the mind flayers. Like the big bad guy's family died. I don't really know if mind flayers have family. They don't really have attachments as far as other Not people. Not really. Um, They're just sick and tired. He's just pissed he, off. He could be the last of his hive mind colony. Sure. That was killed by a bunch of adventurers. Yeah. He's the last of it. And he, he's there to take out... He, he has an extreme hatred for other adventurers. And it could also be that maybe... You know, in a, in a past adventure... Or not necessarily life, but in the past... Um, adventurers have come by and killed everyone that he controlled multiple times, and maybe that was enough to piss him off. Maybe that was enough to piss him off. Because I mean, he's he's lawful evil, right? He's evil, so. Yeah, no, he is evil. You know, foiling his plans a couple times would be enough to make him upset. For sure. So maybe that's what we start with. And then the other thing I'll sometimes do, I'm trying to think of something off the top of my head, is I'll go to other spellcasting creatures um, and see what they like do. Who? Well, that's a really good question. I don't know what I want to do yet. Um, I'm trying to figure out why my Kobold Fight Club is broken. Because the world's just, you know, 
it's a great place. Yeah. Things break. Yeah, it's just completely broken. Okay, let me go. So, in. other spellcasters. What do you? What? Where? Where are we going with this? So I like to look at other spellcasters to see what types of um, constraints they have on when they can cast spells and what level spellcaster they are. So I like to look at things that I think would be similarly as similar in strength, just to make it um, easier for me. Yeah. Oh, I think Kobold Fight Club got hit. By what? Uh, a cease general? and desist. <laughs> For Cobalt Fight Club? Yeah. Interesting. Weird. How and what and I can't where? search anything, and I see two new buttons for trying to find sources of content. Interesting. So, anyway. Yeah. Mind flayers, spells, and other things. Trying to find a different caster. What are you thinking of specifically? Because you know, you know casters. Honestly, I like um, I like the idea of that hobgoblin warcaster that I used in your guys's like second adventure. Hobgoblin warcaster. Gotcha. Because I feel like. Um, that Hobgoblin Warcaster um, was like kind of where we want to start with this because the cause the guy's already pretty strong on his own. Yeah, no, the Hobgoblin Warcaster was definitely strong. I'm just trying to... Devastator, that's what it was called. The Hobgoblin Devastator. Um, he had access to fourth level spell slots. So he was a seventh level caster. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah, considering like that. Like in a good way. It, it's yeah. a seventh level caster. So I feel like that's more than enough. Like I feel like that, I don't think we want to go any higher than that for sure. No, no. Um, what is, what's the int of a mind flayer? Uh, Into a mind flare. It's a great question. Nineteen. Yes. Yes, 19. sir. Um, so that would make him right off the bat slightly stronger than this hobgoblin devastator, because the devastator only well, that's had what you six. Want, yeah, 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 exactly. He had sixteen int, and the mind flare has nineteen. So yeah, yeah, that'll that'll get him up a little bit further. And if we're looking at cantrips, we're at Acid Splash, Firebolt, Ray of Frost, Shocking Grasp. And then we got four level one spell slots, three for level two. And but there's three, a variation of the Mind Flayer, which is the Mind Flayer Arcanist, okay. which has other spells. Okay. Mind Flayer Arcanist? Yeah. Okay. I like the sounds of this. The sound, that's exactly what we want. So he, he's got, you know, your detect thoughts, levitate, dominate monster, plane shift. He also has... Chuck and Grasp, Disguise Self, Shield, Sleep, Blur, Invisibility, Rave and Enfeeblement, Lightning Bolt, Confusion, Hallucinary, Terrain, 
No, I mean, it's a couple of fifth levels, I, which you could take off if you think it's going to be too much. Like we can always. I think this is just four well. I, I think what you would decide here is whether if you're going to give them a layer action or not. And I think if you're going to give them a layer action, you get rid of those fifth level spell slots. That that makes. Sense. That's where I'd be at with it, and only give them one level four spell slot. If you're giving them a sure. the layer action. Right. Because you don't want him to use the lair action and keep casting level 4 spell slots. I mean, I like it. It's confusion, confusion, confusion. I mean, he could also do rave enfeeblement at 4th level. <laughs> That's always fun. Um, But that... I like this already. Because this is basically what we were going for. Yeah. No, the Arcanist, the Arcanist just makes sense because it's just a spellcaster version of. Yeah, it's exactly what we were trying to fashion. Yeah. It just already exists. Yeah. Oh, what's WDMM? What? That's a D and D book, I guess. Waterdeep Dungeons of Madness. Okay, of the Mad Mage. Oh, okay, so that's part. That's what's part of. Yeah. Which is funny because we're. There's there's things happening in Waterdeep. This um, is this is so perfect. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I like that. So I guess a really good thing to talk about because I don't know if we have the same opinion on this one. Should how active should the big bad guy be? How how often should he appear? Do do you want our big bad guy to be an active big bad guy or a pulling the strings big bad guy? I think for the plot that we've talked about, I think it's a pulling the strings bad guy, but gotcha. he could also be the type to provoke through puppets. That works because he's controlling someone. Yeah. So he can still be kind of active. Because personally, the puppet strings. I really like the Strahd-esque type of character that provokes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I yeah, also as don't... As you can tell, I do as <laughs> I I also don't feel like he would do that unless he was doing it through a puppet. Right, he'd provoke through others as opposed to through himself. Yeah, exactly. I feel like I feel like he would maybe take on the head of a cult and do that, and not maybe not let on at all that he's a mind flayer. But he would still right. do the things. Just he wouldn't through that out. person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's kind of where I would be at with that. I like it. Makes sense. So he's gonna be a. Of pulling the strings, but he's also going to be, you know, controlling whatever the leader of the cult's going to be. Yeah. Exactly. Now, we got to, I guess, the next thing we got to find out is are we going to give this dude a layer action? Um, yeah. I mean, I like layer actions a lot. Yep. I feel like they, they add a lot. Plus, you can give him like a cool layer action that you can kind of play around a little bit. Layer actions can be fun for the player to try and like figure out, okay, exactly what's happening, and then play around it, mm-hmm. depending on what it is. I agree with that. It's usually a good way. Not a puzzle is not a the right word, but kind of it's kind of well, puzzle. I mean, it's kind of close to a puzzle, yeah. It's very close to a puzzle. Um. I guess we're going to be, I guess we're fully backtracking at this point. So at the end of the campaign, where is he? I think, I think the characters are going to go to his plane. 
So mind flayers don't live on another planet. They live in the Underdark. Yeah, sorry, the Underdark, yes. I feel like we're going to end up there. I like that. In the Underdark? Yeah, I I think that's where we're going to end up. So what are your thoughts of having him, the room they fight him in is actually where his hive mind, where he is the last member of, the mind itself is actually in that room. I really like that. I think that's a great. Um, I'm kind of like thinking of like the spot that he's in is almost in like a dilapidated state. Like he's the last yeah. one there and he's kind of like almost standing his ground in like this spot where like things are breaking or, and or maybe crumbling. there are a couple mind flare skeletons around. Yeah. His dead hive mind brethren. This is kind of a lame lair action. I don't know. Do we want the lair action to be, this is kind of the cool thing too, that I've been kind of messing around with is making the lair action part of the environment. I like the layer action being something that maybe even the hive mind itself does. Yeah. Or the environment around the yeah. hive mind. Yeah. And I was kind of thinking like maybe the hive mind is destroying itself during the fight. So how would that affect the players? Like ground crumbling around them. Sure. Make it or... so that's actually... So that can be really difficult to do online if you're looking at making a map and you want it to change. It can be a bit of a pain. Or like, but it can be a lot of fun, though. Or like rocks and spires falling from the ceiling. Okay, that's a second that example. That works to his later action. Yeah. Um, stuff like I mean, that I like happened. the idea of ground crumbling. You can usually a lot of programs that you kind of work by putting like a square somewhere or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Or you could just have like a a shattered rock token and say you guys can't stand here, and then just slowly fill up the board with shattered rock tokens. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I like the idea of the room is the hive mind, and whenever they enter, like something they did before they got into the room, kind of started the self destruction of this hive mind. Yeah. And the players are basically trying to get out, and the mind flayer is preventing them in an attempt to take them down with him. Right. The mind flayer knows that if an adventurer were to actually get there, chances are he'd be dying anyway. So he's like. Yeah, he's trying to barricade trying himself to, in here with yeah. them. Kind of almost yeah. like the um almost like the oh, what was it called? The Orcus fight. Yeah. Um there's a, one of the ways the Orcus fight can go is that big thing that was chained to the wall. If it's left yeah. unkept, it'll actually cave the roof in and potentially kill everybody. But Orcus doesn't care if he dies. He just wants to ruin Christmas. So if he dies and you die, the sleigh will still take off and kill everybody. Right. So it's kind of like he he doesn't... The Mind Flayer at this point, in his his desperation, doesn't care if he dies as long as you die too. Right. So he's more focused on just not... He's at the end of his... Yeah. Yeah, he's more focused on not letting you escape. He wants to kill you, but he's more focused on not letting you escape. And the party's trying to subdue him and escape the hive mind as it's crumbling around them. Yeah, I like it. So, I guess, again, I I said earlier, we reserve the right to change anything. I guess in this case, then, the hive mind is really the big bad. 
not the mind flayer. Isn't that the case in almost every mind flayer thing? Yeah. I feel like because the hive mind is what controls mind flayers. Unless you can have a mind flayer that isn't attached to its hive mind, which I don't think really happens. I mean, you could make that happen, but I like the idea of the hive mind being a big bad. Yeah. That's totally fine. So you have another layer. So actually, it would be a really fun campaign to run with people who don't understand mind flayers. Yeah. So you have a make it look like this one big mind flayer is controlling everything, and then you get to the hive mind, and like as you're going through the underdark, you're starting to learn more about mind flayer culture through various mm-hmm. ways, and you realize, oh my god, it's not the dude, it's the dude behind the dude. Yeah, it's the a, man behind the curtain. Exactly, the man behind the curtain. That's exactly what I was gonna say. So, I think what we realized is that this this is a lot easier than it could have been. <laughs> yeah. Because so basically, yeah. what we started with was, we know we kind of want a mind flare. We know we kind of want to pull from something from our past. And the thing that we decided we wanted to pull from was this hobgoblin devastator that Cal played against and I played as, and we both really liked it. And then from that, we said, okay, what already exists in the mind flare space? That's basically that. And we found the Mind Flayer Arcanist, which is, or Arcanist, which is basically the same thing. It's a scaled up version of the Hobgoblin Devastator. Yeah. And then we thought about, okay, well, what's the motivation? Okay, the motivation is Waterdeep is killing all the Mind Flayers. And in this case, the Hive Mind is not happy about that. Hive Mind wants to take them out. We already kind of know what our final battle is going to be. It's going to be the Hive Mind trying to kill them once and for all. Yeah. Because... Even if the hive, I believe, I'm gonna might have to read a little bit more mind flayer lore, but I believe even if the hive mind kills this mind flayer and all the people, that the hive mind could still live. I think. Yeah, I mean, I believe so. I don't think it needs the mind flayers. So, the yeah, it doesn't. So. The characters are going to be trying... So, like, once they escape that room, they'll be trying to find the brain that is the hive mind and the final, like, thing. Like, once they get out of that room, they'll probably be out of danger, and it's going to be, like, a hunt to find the brain and kill it. Or the... Yeah, the brain. Yeah. From its pool and elder brain, telepathy dictates the desires to the other individual mind flayers. So, yeah, they'll be trying to find the brain after that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like it. We have a nice little little thing set. It's a big bad guy. We just created a big bad guy. So, as you can see, even though we've done this before, it's not as hard as you might think. Not at all. And so, like, kind of what we did, remember, we started with the idea of Mind Flayer and then jumped to something that we liked and then jumped to something that already existed. You could do that with anything. Yeah. So, so like, if you, like, you can easily, I guess the next thing I want to say is you don't have to follow the monster manual. Sometimes that's not a good fit. Sometimes there's good homebrew things that work as well. Like, let's say you want your big bad to be like a lawful evil paladin. You can easily find something in the monster manual that'll kind of fit that and tool it differently. Kind of like what we were doing. Like there are, there are things in the monster manual, even though they're monsters that you can put a paladin token on and be like, okay, I'm going to use this stat block for the most part if you don't want to make something completely from scratch, because that can be kind of daunting because it's not the same as making a character at all. Right. I think, I think a lot of people, it can be a lot. 
because yeah. also like you're trying to make your campaign compelling and whatnot as far as the big bad guy goes you don't want it to be like a boring big bad guy but it's not you don't need to really overthink it too much yeah exactly and there's things like also D&D there's a wiki. chance that you know, as you're running through your campaign, your big bad guy changes a little bit. Maybe some of his motives change because you're like, this actually yep. sounds a little bit better. And you, you just do a little switch up behind the scenes. It's totally fine. One website I use a lot is D&D Wiki. So like, like I was saying earlier, Paladin, they have a CR4 Paladin that they've created. I don't, you'd have to actually read through it to see if it's, you know, actually suitable for what you want to do. I already don't think so because it adds two AC to things. Yeah. Um, so that already sounds like something I would want to change and it gets advantage against certain saving throws that I'm not sure that I'm happy about, but most of it's already done. So you can take that and again, just tweak it a little bit. Okay. I don't like that parry. I don't like that. It has the parry reaction. I don't like that. It has, you know, these specific advantages on saving throws for seemingly no reason, but the rest of it's pretty good. It's a, it's a good starting point. So there's an example right there. I could basically take this and run a lawful evil paladin with it. Yeah, you definitely could. You can just change stuff around. And like that also come with time as well, knowing what exactly to change around. And some of those changes might also happen on the fly. If you're running an encounter and they seem to be just either your players are destroying your big bad guy or your big bad guy is destroying your players. You can always do a little bit of balance tweaks. That's where a lot of them happen, to be honest. Because a lot of times you won't run the same full story twice. So a lot of times your uh, your tweaks are going to come in real time. Yeah. And that's just kind of learning a good balance between, okay, I'm going to definitely kill my players because this is way too difficult and these players are steamrolling this guy. There's a balance of maybe I kill one or two players because it's a big bad guy. Maybe yep. they can't. Maybe they lose the fight too because it's a big bad guy, but at least it's close and they feel like they could have done it. The big thing is that's making it, sure that you're staying true to your story, right? Yeah. Like, if your big bad guy is a god, they should just barely win. Or yeah. not Or not win. But if yeah. their big bad guy was a CR4 paladin and they're level 17, first of all, I'd wonder why you did that to begin with. But they should win with ease, right? And maybe, yeah. I don't know how your story goes, but maybe there was something else. But make sure it makes sense canonically. If maybe they yeah. all die, that's a you know. That I've definitely thing, it can happen. I've definitely done campaigns, or not campaigns, but shorter adventures where everybody dies at the end. I've done month adventures where everyone. Dies. <laughs> the big thing is, is like, as long as everybody knows that it's a story that changes on the fly, and there's a chance for death. Like, I feel like that's kind of the agreement you come to when you play D&D. Look, your character might die. Don't get, like, super attached, but get attached enough that you want to roleplay it, but not, like, too attached that you'll be... <laughs> too attached. You don't get too attached. D- d- don't treat this like a puppy. You have your second character rolled yet. <laughs> yeah, that, that, honestly, that's always a really good exercise to go through is when people roll one character, make them roll two. And the reason for that is the thought is already in their head from day one that I could die. Yeah. I've done that before with new players. Just say, okay, I need everybody to roll. One. Now can you roll another one, please? I, I have done that with new with new people. I've never done that with a new player because I feel like I don't want to scare them off. Well, here's the, here's the way I, I explain it to them. So there's two reasons that I do it. The first one is if you make two characters, 
there's already that thought of your in your mind of okay, I shouldn't get like I'm not, I might not play this character for five years straight because I'm already rolling a second one. <laughs> and then the way you kind of justify it is like okay, but like if you were to die mid session, you can keep playing because we have a second character. True. So that's the way I justify it, but really I'm trying to use the psychological trick of, oh, he's making me roll two characters. (laughs) (laughs) That must mean something might happen to my character at some point. Well, I've had people get upset when their characters die, and I've I've had to explain to them that it's not a me versus you thing. It's It's a story that's unfolding as we play the game, and unfortunately... Also, sometimes bad roles happen. Sometimes bad rolls happen and sometimes your character dies because of it. And it doesn't mean your character was terrible and didn't deserve to live, but that's why I made you roll a second one. <laughs> Just in case something like this Just happens. in case, you never know. You that's never know. Ever. You never know anything. Sometimes you just crit someone at the start of combat and one-shot their character. Yeah, like sometimes a minotaur... Didn't deserve it, but it happened. Sometimes a minotaur... Sometimes blood sacrifices have to happen. Sure, sure they do. And sometimes people just die in vain because they're you little didn't, You didn't tell bitches. me to run, roll a second character. You just said, hey, cow, roll one character. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I should have known you wouldn't be fine. Just, yeah, because you crit me. Just it's saying, not my fault. Just saying, nobody else died. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because you didn't crit anyone else with that stupid thing. <laughs> I love rolling in front of people. It's great. Love it. It's so great much. and terrible. I don't think Very I have anything terrible. else to add to Big Bad Guy. I think we're good. I think Big Bad Guy's good. Yeah, I I really like where this went. I I think I think that's a good Big Bad and big, a good big, final big encounter. I'm ready. Ready to run this campaign? Wait a minute, that's probably a bad idea. You don't want to run it quite. <laughs> Let's <yet>. run it. <laughs> Let's do it. We are going to have to write it soon, though, because we are getting close to, like, we'll have to think of... Actually legitimately writing it, yes. Yeah. So writing it's going to take a while. So, like, yeah, <laughs> don't expect it to come out it's as soon. It's going to take a while. Like, we, we haven't started writing it yet, but we're going to write it based on these points. The whole point of this is that we're, we're going to write something. You know, I've never wrote, written a camp- I've never wrote a campaign from start to finish. I always write the beginning, middle, and end, and then I write it based on a session yep. just so that I have it fresh in my mind what I'm going to be doing. We're going to have to take um, notes on how the Lost Minds of Fandelver breaks things down because I think that's more or less what we want to emulate. I don't think we want to emulate yeah. Strahd. I think that'll be too hard. We're going to emulate Strahd. You know what? Let's yeah. emulate Down in the Abyss. <laughs> you you into know the, what that into, campaign is? Into, into the Abyss? Is it Into the Abyss? Is it the one where you start in Abyss Jail and you gotta, like, forage for berries and stuff? Uh, I'm sure it's called Into the Abyss. It came out, like, in, uh... Out of the Abyss. Yeah, that's it. Out of the Abyss. And it is, I believe, where you do start off in Abyss Jail. Yeah. It's also considered an extremely difficult campaign to run because there are... There's, multiple yep so many characters that have their own things that are happening all the time and depending on what you do in the jailbreak like the story's different <laughs> it also fully takes place in the underdark and you start at level one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Underdark like, for level one 
That's like playing inverted Sorry. A Link to the Past randomizer. All the enemies do two hearts of damage. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> I've always, I mean, that's definitely a campaign I want to run one of these days because I feel like it'd be a lot of fun to run with people who have played before. I think it is a yep. terrible campaign for beginners, though. Oh yeah, it looks no, like no, a terrible no. one for beginners. Yeah, don't don't do that with beginners. Court of the Dragon Queen is a good one to do for beginners. Well, that's the start to Rise of Tiamat, right? Court of yeah. the Dragon Queen leads yeah. into Rise of Tiamat. It does. So you can actually run those two right back to, right back to back. The only thing is. So, Horde of the Dragon Queen is great for experienced DMs and new players. If you're a new DM, don't pick up Horde of the Dragon Queen. It's not that well fleshed out. There's a whole bunch of YouTube videos that actually the guys have run like both of them back to back, and then they go back and try to explain the parts that aren't explained in Horde of the Dragon Queen that make no sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, start off with Lost Minds of Fandelver if you've never played before. It's a really good starter. Have you ever actually looked at Tiamat's stats? Yeah. They're kind of crazy. You're never supposed to actually be able to beat Tiamat. I mean, you're also never really supposed to be able to beat Strahd. You can beat Strahd. If you get enough people, you can beat Strahd. With all the items, too, you can definitely beat Strahd. For today. Right now? We're going to beat Strahd? (laughs) No, I mean, like, you beat him for today. He'll just come back. That's true. He does eventually come back. He always comes oh, back. Well, yeah, because it's the Curse of Straw. I think I'm going to run that this year for Halloween. Are you in? Uh, uh, the the one-shot, sure. Yeah, the one-shot version. Where you just storm the castle? Yeah. If I can, I mean, find, if I can find it again. I can play it, just know that I know what happens. Oh yeah, the the whole idea behind this one shot is everybody loves Curse of Strahd. They've all played it. Oh, so you just do it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, it's like kind of it. like it, it's an homage to Curse of Strahd for people who know what's going on. Right. Oh, I think om- Strahd. That's I it. I still have it. Still have it. Nice. Okay. But yeah, it's a stripped down version of Le- Ravenloft single goal kill Strahd. Um, there's three powerful artifacts hidden in the castle. Oh, and... Do they just put? Do they just put Sun Sword, Raven, the amulet, and also the tome in the thing, or do they do different yeah. artifacts? No, it's Sun Sword, Icon of Raven, Lost, and Tome, and they get placed okay. in random places in the castle. And I think yeah. there's even a D100, or not a D100, but I think there's a table to say what could happen in all the rooms. So basically you roll the rooms, you roll where the items go, and then they storm the castle. Like you could play it every year and the rooms will be different. Right, and the it's item different play- every yeah. time. But it's kind of right. like, it's it's in the spirit of Barovia Ravenloft of, oh no, another yeah. year, another kill Strahd. Yeah. I like it. I approve. I would love to run that like every year. I I'd be down. Last year for Halloween, I guess I'll say right before we close out, I did a a one-shot because I like doing themed one-shots like Christmas one-shots and Halloween one-shots. And uh, I made my own that was kind of like basically Luigi's Mansion-esque where like the players were hired to go into this house and clear it of ghosts and they had like one character had to use like the ghost vacuum to like suck them yeah. up so like the other people had to like hurt the ghosts while the one guy would go around and scoop them all up. Yeah. It was pretty cool. I 
I don't think I have any of it written down anywhere, but it was like a... Why not? Well, because I... saved it. I I mean, I could have, but I don't usually run things again. I'm sorry. You gotta try running things more than once. I'd run Strahd again. Oh, yeah. Totally. Definitely. Anyway, it's a great place to call it. I think so. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. Yeah, appreciate it. We will be back again on fantastic. next Monday. Thursday. Thursday. Oh, yeah. We'll be back on Thursday for the last, the last day practice. before the race. The last practice, last practice. session. We and, all know what's uh, going to happen. Yeah, I'm going to get spanked. It's going to be a surprise. It's going to be a wreck. <laughs> You're going to get spanked. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so... I need to see you play DK64 on stream. I'm not upset by that. <laughs> you should be. You don't understand what you're getting yourself into. I have nothing but fond memories. I don't. I don't get it. I don't know. I think you're the only person I know that has fond memories of DK64. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I had a 90 on Metacritic. Yeah, I think... I, I don't think I'm in... Okay. Donkey Kong 64 received critical acclaim. It was Nintendo There's 64's top seller. During the 1999 holiday season, Nintendo's chief defense against comp- or, yeah their chief defense against Sega's competitor uh, Dreamcast console, as a bestseller, Donkey Kong 64 joined Nintendo's Player's Choice game selection, where it continued to sell well through the next year's holiday season. Sold it's over 2.3 million units. It won E3's Game Critic Award for best platform game. It wasn't, though. It was literally a buggy mess of a video game that was just a series of mini-games. That was it? Several annual awards from Nintendo Power, including Best Overall Game of 1999, and was additionally nominated for Game of the Year. And then IGN described Donkey Kong 64 as the biggest, most ambitious title in the N64 as of its release, but similar to Banjo-Kazooie in platforming and puzzle design. Age of Empires 2 release in 1999. Similarities so between the two games and their themes was a common refrain. They compare this to Banjo-Kazooie and is critically acclaimed as one of the best oh games of its time. Compared to Banjo-Kazooie? That's terrible. I'm just Brandon saying. Kazoo is so much better than DK64. DK64 is a terrible game. I think. I don't. I I don't know. It seems like a lot of people disagree with you. Well, those people can be wrong if they want to. It's really up to them. I'm I'm just saying that my Ape Escape one released that year as well. <laughs> not the best game in the world. Quake three. Look, man. All DK64 was not a good game. <laughs> All I'm saying is that I don't think my feelings of enjoying it are misplaced. Like I said, I might play it today and it doesn't hold up and it's a piece of shit. But whatever it was then, I seem to be on... Like I, my feelings aren't invalid. They're validated by all the positive reviews. I think you're just upset that you couldn't beat it. Everything I see, like, actually just looking at, is it a good game? Not the reviews from back in the day. It's like, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. It was frustrating, but I enjoyed it. It's like, no, that doesn't make a good game. Dude, I don't know, man. All I'm seeing is critical acclaim and big stuff, and people liked it. 
people really liked it. So I'm not even upset. Like I said, maybe I'll play it and it'll be terrible. But as of right now, I mean, I'm just excited. You know what I mean? No. Are you just trying to find a bad review of the game? No, I mean, I've already found reviews that are bad, but they say it's good. Like, <laughs> this game is great. I hated part of it and most of it, but it's a great game. What? Uh. Anyway, goodbye, everybody. Everybody have a good night, and uh, see you Thursday. Yeah, Thursday.